Welcome, welcome back to our live show today with Tina talking taboo with Tina brought to you by your backup plan app. I'm so happy to have you guys here today. I'm excited because we get two shows for the price of one today. We've done grief, but Eleanor's story today, we're bringing to you Eleanor Ward from beautiful Dallas, Texas. What an awesome woman she is today to tell us about her situation of her grief and her journey through losing her husband. Our title today is Supporting Widows Through Grief and Legal Matters. Yes. Do you think there's any paperwork to do when someone passes away? Did I hear somebody say no? Oh my goodness. I think you're wrong. <laughs> Because it's far from the truth, and Eleanor will be able to tell us about that part. Um, I don't know why this is on, but I'm going to turn my phone off just in case. I wanted to talk about me, because we wouldn't be here without me. I'm Tina, and I'm here for your Backup Plan app. I'm the creator and developer of the app, of course, and I'm a best-selling author of In the Blink of an Eye. That's how quickly something happens. You don't have any five-minute evacuation notices, people. You don't have a car hit you and say, hold on a second, I, I want to be given 10 minutes before you hit me. Doesn't happen that way. And I'm an emergency preparedness coach. Um, we are on all podcast platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, and Twitter, and Pinterest. So you can find us everywhere. We have and talk about real life stories with really amazing people like Eleanor today. Our shows about life-changing events in their lives, tragedies, trauma, sickness, or accidents, because in the blink of an eye, that's how fast something happens, something life-changing, something unexpected hits you. And you know, you're not in the right state of mind. You actually lose your brain. I think it just, it just floats away. And um, you can't make those right decisions and you're not capable of make, being in the right emotions to make those right decisions either. So that's why I created your backup plan app so that it would help you get this stuff together before anything happens and that uh, it puts you in the right frame of mind so that you can just deal with the present, which is your grieving and not worry about all the other stuff. Um, so let's get this party started. I'm bringing Eleanor on and right after our short little commercial. So stay tuned. Supporting widows through grief and legal matters. A great topic today, everybody. If you know anybody that is struggling with grieving or who would like some more information about how to get better prepared, today's the show that you won't want to miss. I have a special quote from Julie Hebert. May there be comfort in knowing that someone so special will never be forgotten. And that's exactly the truth. And we think about that every day when you are grieving for someone. So let's bring Eleanor on today. Hello, Eleanor. Hi, how are you? 
we're here, we're here, and I'm so excited to bring everybody your story. Um, it doesn't sound like a very nice one, but I'm so happy to have you come and talk about it because it does happen. We aren't Superman that we think we are, and as much as we think we're Superman. You know, I don't know where we get that visualization, but it's far from the truth. No, we, we're not Superman at all. I think that's a westernized thing, more so in North America than anywhere else. Um, and it probably bleeds over to Canada as well here and there, but yeah. especially the westernized side of the world, we try to pretend that, you know, the whole circle of life thing, which is bull because we're never ready for death on any no. level of what we're doing. And so it's the circle of life. It's just what's going to happen. No, it's not. It, it is what's going to happen, but... There's absolutely no way to be ready for it. No. So, and, but we can look at things that we can do. But where did all of this start for you, Eleanor? Oh, my goodness. <clears throat> it was in the blink of an eye. <laughs> um, yeah. My husband, my son, my youngest son, and I were all traveling. We were getting ready to... I had taken a job in... Nevada and Las Vegas at one of the colleges out there. And unfortunately we were hit um, early in the wee hours of the morning in 2006 and my husband and my son were killed. And it took me a long time to get past the anger and blaming of myself because my son, my oldest son was very tall. So he wore like a size 13 shoe. He was only 14 years old. And oh we stopped goodness. at a convenience store and he said, mom, I, the seatbelt is just destroying me. And I don't think manufacturers ever consider women. And we don't have enough women engineers because, you know, when it's women with breasts and kids. And so I'm in this little minivan. It's tearing up my poor kid. And he, he said, can I just take it off for five minutes? In my mind, I don't know why I say yes, because I thought in five minutes, what could happen? It's early in the morning. Nobody's out and about. It was 4 or 5 a.m. If I remember right, I don't remember everything. And I was like, just take it off for five minutes while we're driving. Yeah, because you think, well, what's five minutes, right? What's five minutes? And in the five minutes, he got ejected from the vehicle and, and was killed. And I carried that weight because if I had told him, no, you got to have that seatbelt on no matter what. And I'm sure there are people that will say I was a bad mom because I didn't tell him, but I know how uncomfortable, uh, you know, I, I'm i not a big, tall person. So I don't, I was gonna say, I don't know how uncomfortable it is to be shoved in this little seat in this minivan and you're this dang near six foot kid, size 13 shoe, your little brother's bugging you, your mom and dad are in their own little world driving and you're just kind of in the back shoved in here, just trying to ride around and now you got this horribly short uncomfortable seatbelt on so i thought five minutes he'll be okay and he'll put it back on yeah in that five minutes he 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 was killed and my husband <clears throat> got out of the car trying to tend to my son and the car came a, a car came through and hit and killed my husband and they did a hit and run and um, I was not available to do anything because I was laying through the windshield. Oh, my um, goodness. So did you actually hit something then, Eleanor? Or? We hit 
something on the median. We were under a median bridge, one of those new median bridges with the lights, supposedly. And we hit that railing thing. Uh, I don't know why in the Midwest and in the, even in the South, I've noticed they put up all these iron barriers. You're going to die. I say, hate to say it that way. You're going to die. In the West Coast, everything is surrounded by water. So when you hit something, you literally run into like a gallon, not gallons, I guess they're trash can oh. size containers of water. Yeah, so those big gallons. Are up and get water everywhere. And most of their medians are plastic. So you still have a chance of life if you run into their medians. Everything in the Midwest is old and metal and everything here in the South is old and metal. So anyway, long story short, I, the car that hit us knocked us into the median and then my son got ejected and went across to the highway. My husband getting out to tend to my son to see what was going on was then hit and he was then knocked across even farther across the highway um, and he died. And did you watch all this? No, I was through the windshield. I was unconscious. The only person oh. to watch this was my poor little boy who was 11 at the time. I never asked him for a replay. Oh, I no. shocked. He's 27 now. I have never asked my son to describe it. I don't know it. What I'm describing to you is what I saw when I woke up. And um, so that was just what I put together as to how it all happened. Um, but yeah, he's the only one. And people are like, you are crazy. I'd be asking my kid, I don't have a right to re-traumatize my son. No, I do not have that right. And when he said, this is one reason why I never questioned him. This is what he said. He said, mom, I didn't think you were going to wake up. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, the only thing he, he knew, his dad, <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. Yeah, <laughs> then, yeah. It's all good. He knew his dad and his brother were pretty much gone. Yeah. So he was in the car and he had damages to him as well because the car was totaled. And he said, I didn't think you were going to wake up. I thought it was just me. And in that moment, I felt, I say, don't, don't worry about what happened. And so I didn't. I had people that were trying to do all kinds of stuff and asked him. I said, no, he's a minor. Leave him alone. He has enough trauma to deal with and so uh poor guy me. and uh i have no idea i think i suppose i was i think i was gone i don't know how i survived and uh <clears throat> i said well what are you doing out of the car how did you get out of the car if you were you know because his feet were torn his hands and stuff were torn up he said a man showed up out of nowhere on a bike on a oh, really? I said, like a hell's angel? And uh, he said, yeah. But he, wow. said, he said, I'm supposed to stay with you until your mom gets up. Is that not amazing? And um, to this day, <laughs> I have never found that man. <laughs> I'll he help stayed. you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. He <laughs> stayed until the police came and the ambulance came. And he used his phone because we couldn't get my phone to work for whatever reason. We couldn't, well, we couldn't find the phone. The phone was found weeks later in the 
mess. Well, it flies somewhere. You don't even know. It where was it, it was somewhere, and he stayed. And then I said, "Well, why didn't he stay until I actually did wake up?" He said, "Because mom, he said you were gonna get up." And he called, and the police came. He said, and they woke up. He said, I can't stay anymore. I have to go. He said, I can't be here when people come. And to this day, I tell my kid, I said, that was an angel. I don't care what anybody says. And did you ever meet him? No. I personally, oh. to this day, I carry in my spirit that I was an angel from heaven that God sent down. Well, <laughs> if anybody's listening and you actually help these people out, Make sure that you contact us because I'm sure Eleanor yeah. and her son would absolutely love to meet you. If you exist, if you're in heaven, we thank you. But yes. if you are, if you're human, <laughs> I'd love to meet you. Yeah. But he kept saying, I can't stay, I can't stay. And my son said, when he drove off, you couldn't see him anymore. I said, what do you mean? He said, the motorcycle, his hair, everything just disappeared. And then you woke up, mom. So that's where everything started in the blink of an eye. I lost my 14-year-old son and my 38-year-old husband. And um, where did you even changed. start with that? And so to have to tell people that you can't have your life changed in less than five minutes, they're wrong. Yeah. Your life can change in a minute, literally 60 seconds. And in that 60 seconds, it was totally, totally different. Um so as all of those things happened, everything changed in a blink of an instant as well. I was not a breadwinner. I was a stay-at-home mom that had her own businesses. I was an eBay lady. I sold stuff on eBay. I had a textbook company. I had all these different things, but I didn't quite make enough to pay for insurance and pay for everything we had acquired. My husband was more of the breadwinner. We had an event planning company. So I brought in a lot of money. But in my head, without my husband, I couldn't do it. And so this is where women have to understand at the end of the day, how is it going to work if something happens? So losing him, I didn't know what to do. I was a single mother. Everything was on my back. I had not finished my degree and degrees do not make a difference, y'all. I'm telling you now. Yeah. Uh, I had not finished my four-year degree at the time. Um and so I'm sitting here going, how am I going to take care of this kid? We had just built our house. We had literally just built our house. And um, because of the way everything happened, I lost my home. And this is where the legal stuff comes in. My husband and I had owned multiple properties together. But his family was acting crazy. They were trying to get things. And the one thing my husband did with the new house, he did not put it in the clause if he were to die the house would be paid for. He had never done that. We had done that with every house. And so I said, well, what made him do that? And the, I'm, the insurance guy said, well, actually, we were supposed to meet next week, you know, to re-sign some new paperwork and add that in. I said, but he's never not done that. So why would he change it now? He said, oh, he said something about his mother-in-law didn't want you to have this or something, his mom or And I thought his parents always gave him horrific advice when it came to his marriage. So anyway, I lost the brand spanking new house we had just built on oh, a half acre of land because my husband did not sign an $8. And I want to tell women this, eight additional dollars a month would have paid the entire house off 
and put it in my name and it would have been mine. Please do not feel like $8 a month is going to kill you. Not when you're buying a house. No. It can save your life. So I know my husband was probably, for whatever reason, his parents were always in everything that they had no business being in. And at the end of the day, that, that kind of put me on a cycle after that. I started moving. I was like, screw it. I don't have our house. And I felt like I couldn't heal without our brand new house. We have worked so hard to get that. And yeah. I needed to be able to go in my kids' room and smell. I needed to be around our room. But when that happened, I just packed up everything and went on and moved to Nevada like we had, you know, had planned to. And people were like, well, why did you have a brand new house in Missouri? But you were trying to, you were trying to go to Nevada. Because we were in the middle of a separation. So imagine somebody dying in the middle of you trying to get separated. And I did not think we were going to say separated. <clears throat> I remember I just told my husband, I need a, I need a year. Yeah. Give me a freaking year. And I had got a temporary substitute job at the college for exactly one year. <laughs> and so I said, well, we're going to move. I don't think that was the best thing because then I went on this whirlwind tour of the States. I started picking up this poor 11-year-old kid and dragging him all over the country. Yeah. And we ended up moving to three, four, probably five states. Oh. And um, that was just horrible. But I want to point out from the beginning, so hopefully this will help. From the beginning, his parents did something that was illegal. When my husband and son died, we were in another state. Your um, grief, not grief, your death certificate, yeah. what they call it here. Is that what they call it over there? Yes, everywhere. Yep. Okay. So your death certificate um, is supposed to have the person's name on it. His parents being Petty Bill and Petty Betty. Those aren't their names, but who cares? Um, yeah, we'll call them that. Their address on everything. So when I went to handle matters for my husband and my son, I would be getting into fights with people because his stupid father put his address on it. When I called the funeral home and said, why would you put his address on it? He said, how would I know whose address it is? So I said, let me not get mad at this man. But to change it would have been astronomical. To change oh. an address on a death certificate, which I did not know. A lot of paperwork. Upwards of $35 a copy. And I said, I don't, I don't have that. But it put me in a place where I had to fight every, every time. time. My address was blah, blah, blah. And they had put their, and they did it on purpose because they were trying to get the money, which they succeeded. We'll get into that later. When you're doing your death certificates, make sure you put your information as a widow on there, nobody else's. I don't care how much they tell you they're going to help you. I don't care if they tell you you can stay at our home. Please, ladies, put your information on the death certificate. Okay, so yeah. that was one of the things I learned. Secondly, the next thing about the death certificate, I had no idea it cost so much to print them do not send a death certificate out to everybody to ask you. Make copies. Yeah. Go get six official copies. Why do I say six? Because here's where you need them. The insurance company, the funeral home. Uh, you need one to keep for yourself, an official certified one. That's three. Okay. You'll probably need one for the, um, bank. the banks, an official one. And then number five is going to be, I would keep one for schools and stuff for your kid. 
You'd be surprised what schools will ask you for, even stuff that's none of their business. And then number six, for your job. Okay. Everything else can be ran out and given to these. The cell phone company, run that bad boy out. I remember my son's braces doctor, the orthodontist said, well, I need an official death certificate. I felt like being really horrible and just taking a picture of my son with his braces still in his mouth in his casket, but I didn't do that. <laughs> so I said, well, you're going to get a, you're going to get what you get. And I gave him a copy. Some of these people will demand it. And you know what? You can demand that they pay for it. Yeah. It's not your obligation. You only need official certificates for certain types of entities. And if they're demanding a certified copy, then they need to be willing to pay for it. If not, they'll get an official copy that you ran out yeah. because that's legal by law. So cell phone companies, credit card companies, um, Mortgage companies, they can all get copies. Yeah. Now, if you have a mortgage that's going to be paid off because you have the insurance piece that pays it off, then yes, they, they do merit a certified real copy. Yeah, they need yeah. a copy. Yeah, they a do. Yes, original. a certified copy is colored. Uh, a, a regular copy is not. That's about the only difference. And a certified copy has, I think, a watermark in it. So I yeah. want to emphasize to the ladies get about six and the rest can be ran off and um you do not owe people that don't need them look and before you send out copies of the death certificate i say this because you really don't want a lot of death certificates floating around before you send it out go look up for whatever company you're going to send it to their rules and regulations if someone dies and owes money or has an account that needs to be closed look up exactly what it says and do that exactly and then if they ask for something outside of that, you say, well, tell me why, because this is what you have written down for me to follow. Okay, because I had to learn that as well, because at first I was sending them out and I said, wait a minute, I'm not going to be sending out my husband and my child's information just all willy nilly. No. So, ladies, please keep that in mind. That's the first thing. Um, the funeral home that handles you, uh, make sure of everything they're charging you for. Uh, get a get an itemized list before you pay for anything. I know that's crazy, but I did I not. Always, I always make a suggestion to bring someone that's not emotionally tied to the situation with you to hold your hand so that you get a very different perspective because you're very emotional at the time when you're making these decisions and we can't really think clearly. And your brain is in a grief fog. It's just a big fog of grief. You don't know what's going on. For me, I didn't have any backup. My mom would not come help me. Um, and my family didn't help, help me. So I was kind of swimming in this by myself. Yeah. And finally, um, I trusted the guy who buried my, well, that when he was cremated, who took care of the arrangements because he was very close friends with my husband and he had, he happened to have a funeral home, but I should not have done it. He was not that he was lying, but I ended up spending close to eight grand. And they both got cremated. I was like, oh, wait a minute. So I want to point this out, too, for people. How did it get to eight grand if they only got cremated? I did not agree to transport their bodies. Okay. His parents were making a stink. I'm so dumb. I don't realize they charge you to transport bodies across the country. Mind you, my husband. Well, even son, down the street. <laughs> yeah. Did not know that. Husband and son were literally four hours from Kansas City. The accident happened in Oklahoma. Four hours away. They charged $1,500 to transport their bodies. 
And so I think it was 1500 per person. So that's what three grand. Had I known that, what I would have done was I would have went ahead and had their bodies cremated where they were. And then I would have brought the remains back with me and then given them to my husband's friend. Okay. And so by the time they charged me for a venue and everything, it was like eight grand. I was like, I had no idea. So that was kind of the little bit of money I had right there out. So yeah. understand transport. If you can cut down some of the fees and stuff to do it, yeah. Do it. Okay. Uh, don't be afraid to ask the questions and make them give you an itemized list of what they're charging you for. Because funeral homes don't like to do that for whatever reason. Make the, hey, I want an itemized list of what you're charging me for. And then they'll have to come through. My husband and son's bodies were so damaged, they also could not be cremated. So they could not be held in any type of reserve. So they could not hold in bombing fluid. And that was something I kept to myself, to even, to, even to this day for years. And people were like, why didn't you have a funeral? You transported them back there. I transported them back only because I wanted his friend to handle their bodies in the end. But a particular person to do it. Yeah, I wanted that particular person to be the one who handled their, their final remains. And he ended up doing a lot later. My mom, my dad, he just kept ended up handling for our family. But I was like, no, I knew he would do it with care and with love. And um, at the end, you know, I think people have to recognize that you still want the person to be where they're going to be with love. But at the end of the day, when they told me their bodies couldn't handle embalming fluid, I thought, well, I'm not going to put them through anything because I couldn't if I wanted to. So they were like, you're unlimited, you're unlimited, go time. And people were like, oh, you're so cruel to cremate them. Well, my husband was a fireman and he had told me years ago he didn't want to be buried because he was from this, he's from the deep south Louisiana. And he told me all the things he didn't want to happen. <laughs> Uh, some of the rituals in the deep south, especially Louisiana, they have their own world of death there. That kind of bothered me. So I was like, oh, I don't want to do some of those rituals. And there's no disrespect to anybody. But some of those rituals, I mean, creeped me out. And so he had yeah. told me he didn't want to do them. And my son is my son. So I was going to do what I wanted to do with my son. And it took them three phone calls. So don't feel bad, ladies, when you have to keep going back and forth for me to release him into that fire. I was just like, no, wait a minute. <laughs> Give me a minute. Call me back. And I think it took us probably two to three days. And I finally, on the third phone call, third day, whatever it was, it was the fog from back then. I finally said, um, go ahead. Do it while you got the yes. Don't call me back. Don't tell me nothing. When you call back, you need to tell me to cremate. Because I, I can't fathom my husband and my son. And so he said, okay. He didn't call back. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it was the next day, maybe he called me that morning. He said, okay, it's all done. And I was like, okay. And from there I started a memorial and all those things, but I still had not got a list of what I was being charged, which was, I was just being really trusting of people, which is really dumb. Don't do that y'all. Don't just be trusting of people. <laughs> and um, I was paying for a double funeral. So everything was double the cost. Uh, even though it was a memorial, they say cremation is cheaper. I don't know if you know, but cremation is not that much cheaper. You may not be paying for that casket, but it, it can still add up really fast. Well, it all so, can add up. Oh, yeah, it can all add up. And so uh, then it came down to uh, 
check everything. Check what they're charging you for the limousines. Those limousines cost a lot of money. They're not complimentary. Check how far the limo goes because they may charge by the mile, by the location. You never know. Uh, I was thankful I wasn't going to a funeral site because people don't know they charge for that. Yeah, They charge to go out to the site to do the, the dig, to you to stand there. They charge for all that stuff. So make sure you know what they're going to charge. The next things I would say, look at, um, check your life insurance, check and see that there's a will. Um, my husband didn't have a will because he felt like he had life insurance in my name and we didn't own anything but property. Oh, but dear. in the end, he was wrong. Oh, I tell people oh. when you have nothing to have a will. And he thought they would honor his wishes through me. They didn't even like me. So it was so it was I was grateful because he totally had that Superman personality, didn't he? Yeah. And he had had so many things happen. He probably didn't think he was going. He had been in fires. He had been caught in spaces. He had been in multiple car accidents where nothing had happened. So I guess in his mind, I go out here every day and nothing's happened. I'm OK. I'm 38 years old. What's really going to happen to me? And his brother finally stuck up and said, well, I'm going to have to speak up for Eleanor because I was at the lunch that where he told her what he wanted and he did say he wanted to be cremated. It shouldn't matter. It's my no. choice. As his widow. So stop taking into everybody else's account. Do what you need to do for you to make you happy. But some people are in a hospice sometimes and they have all these family members sitting there in the hospice arguing about this sort of thing. They do, but the hospice needs to put them out. And you have a little bit more time than I did because mine was instant. If you're in a hospice situation, immediately while they can still talk, right, yeah. call someone in uh, and have them a legal entity, a lawyer, you know, a legal consultant, lawyer, whatever, and have them stand there while the person says what they need to say in front of the family write it down and then have them sign it. That way they can't say it was any duress because the person said it in front of the family. Cause when I, I used to do healthcare as well, I used to suggest that, Hey, have Colin, a legal person, have him stand here to do a living will and living wills are two different things. So people understand a living will where you want directions carried out is one thing. A living will can also attest. So if you don't want to be on life support, that's something different, but we're talking about a living will where the person is speaking out what they want while they're still alive. And so that's what I suggest if that's the case. And so they kind of let up off of me for that, but they were still trying to drag his body to Louisiana. His father filed an injunction against me. Here it is, people. I didn't know you could file an injunction to get somebody's dead body. So I'm literally like, I literally already have to, to take care of him and my kid, bury him and my yeah. kid. And now I'm like an injunction. I had no idea how to fight that. One of his friends happened to be a lawyer. He was trying to help me. He said, they did what? I said, they filed an injunction against his body so that I could not cremate him because they wanted to drag him down to the muddy Louisiana swamplands where the land that they have is and bury him. And I remember being down there. My husband showed me the burial plots that they had. He said, I don't want to be buried down here. Oh. I was like, oh, thank God. I don't want you buried down here because I don't, I didn't, I'm not from there. I don't visit that. That's not where yeah. I live. Yeah. So um, there was that battle. And I thought, well, how are you making me go through all this? If someone files an injunction against the body, do your best to have proof 
of what you're trying to do, why you're trying to do it, the judge will probably release it to you. They never took my husband's body out of the funeral home, but I had a lot of the firefighters fighting for me. That's probably why. <laughs> um, but, you know, if you need that kind of help, you're going to have to call a lawyer. And that's, that's going to be incredible, isn't it? Because there's, you know, it's divorce and death that seems to be real big problem makers of legal matters and drama and conflict to family situations that we don't need during these moments. I don't even think it's causing, I don't think it's those things that cause it. It's the way people choose to handle it because well, people yeah. feel so entitled when someone gets divorced or someone dies. And what are you entitled to? You didn't yeah. live with him every day. I did. You're not entitled to anything. So you may immediately need to get some help, whatever that may be. If um, there was no will, call one of those pro bono hotlines and, and you can ask multiple questions for free or go in for free. Yeah, Go in, get the help that you need until you can get some money together and get somebody because you may have to pay a more expensive lawyer. But call those numbers. Hey, I need yeah. some help. What's happening in my family? Uh, you want to look for an, um, an estate, you know, a death estate type of lawyer. or Attorney, a lawyer, have. yeah. And that deals Absolutely. in. I say it's always part of it too. And your oh, backup yes. plan app has those instructions in it that you just have That's to. Good. I mean, you That's don't even good. have to think about it. You just go down the list and it asks you where it is and and you can take a picture of it even if you want. And that's to. good because if, if that's on your app and they need that checklist available. Yeah. The next step I went through, I uh, get through the memorial. I say goodbye to my husband and my child. Me and my son go home. We're having a good time with his friends and those that showed up after. And I'm laughing finally. And we're just talking about different things. I started giving away his clothes. People are like, how can you do that same day? Because in that moment, it just felt good to share who he was. Because my husband was like that. It might be shared. Yeah. And it made me feel okay that I could deal with my other son's stuff later. And then I hear the knock on the door. And I'm like, what? Who is here? So I thought it was probably another one of his friends or another firefighter. And lo and behold, it was uh, an attorney and they served me. And I had no clue and I burst into tears and I remember screaming his friend's name. And he came running out. So he's like, what's going on? And I showed it to him. He's like, they're suing you for wrongful death. My mother-in-law and my father-in-law within an hour of the memorial service sued me for wrongful death because I was driving the car. You were driving? Mm -hmm. So they thought they could sue you? No, they didn't think they did sue me. Oh, well, yeah, I guess. <laughs> it was not a thought. They did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they very much did. They sued me for five long years. So people often wonder why, when I say it took me close to 10 years to get to grieving and pulling myself together and it's only been in the last three or four years because they're like 2023 that's like 16 years yeah but you didn't go through the first five fighting your in-laws uh and i had to fly we were living in nevada me and my son and i had to fly back and forth to kansas city missouri to battle my in-laws they wanted my son now mind you they never even talked to my kid when he was alive either one of my kids oh. we'd go over there and they'd ignore our children Cause she had her favorites by the baby of the family, my husband's youngest brother. So 
So that was her marvel of life. So my kids weren't nothing. And um, anyway, so yeah, they sued me. Uh, they took pretty much all the insurance money. They took my son's college fund. They took everything that we could have had. And at that point I broke. Yeah. I got, I did. Mentally and physically. Yeah. At that point I was done. I was fighting to keep my kid. Cause I'm like, how dare you are horrible parents. I remember the stories my husband told me. I don't care that he's a cop and you were a school teacher. You both suck. Your marriage was bad. Um, my son does not want to be with either one of you. I remember asking him, I said, would you want to be with them for whatever reason? When I've been here every moment of your life, he was like, no, I want to be with you, mom. He said, I want to be with them. He said, they're not good grandparents. They had not called my son once through any of this to see how he was doing. So ladies, if something like that happens, it may not be that intense, but get a good lawyer. The lawyer I had was not very good because he wasn't being paid. Initially, he was going to charge me. And then in the middle of the lawsuit, he stopped. He said he wasn't going to charge me, which I thought was strange. Then I found out that my father-in-law was on the force his whole life. So he's retired. But my father-in-law knows everybody and every secret in that town. And I knew something was weird because it wasn't going like it was. He was fighting so hard at first. And then he was like, let's just write down what you want. Let's just agree. Let's just let them have everything. And I thought, where did this come from? And the tables never are turned. Huh? The tables are turned all of a sudden? Uh, yeah, because I think my father-in-law got to him and said he would do things. My father-in-law knew dirt. Whatever, he, whatever went on, I knew it was connected to my father-in-law. My father-in-law knew when the preacher's kids got arrested at the big churches. He knew uh, if you got arrested as a John or if your wife was in a mess. So he had easy access because he worked sex crimes. He worked the sex crimes unit as the captain. So he knew like all the dirty stuff. So I said, well, it just was very strange. And when he decided to no longer charge me, he just did a half-assed job. And it threw me into a trust of the money my husband and I had for my son where my the court legally let him monitor what I was doing. And I thought, how dare you? Yeah. You stole everything we could have had and then you have the nerve to monitor what little money we have left. I think out of all that money, we got $20,000. And so I had to go to court in Kansas City and then I had to start going to minor court in Las Vegas, Nevada. And finally, I was like, this is banana. So I took it up on myself because I didn't trust anybody to try to. I knew nobody was going to be licensed in Nevada and then all the way in Missouri. So I was at this, yeah. this hard place. So I took it up on myself to do what I could. I looked up stuff. I wrote down my own little briefs and stuff. And um, finally, I forget what age it was. I think it, let's see, it was probably 15 or 16 the judge finally said, well, I don't, you don't waste the money from what I see, what you show me, what happens. I'm just going to stop this situation. And he did. And, um, thank goodness. I remember they tried to snatch my son to this day. They deny it, but I, I saw them, they were in the town. They were trying to take my kid. And I'm like, what do you think you could do better? Cause I mean, here's 11. His brother was 14. You saw my kids maybe once every two to three months maybe three to four times a year. Why do you care so much now? Yeah. You didn't give a crap then. So
So legally, well, that's that was the way different. it goes for everything, though. When death comes in the picture, it seems like, you know, somebody all of a sudden wants that weird looking cup and saucer in the cupboard or that watch and they're going to fight over it. And it meant nothing to them before. But no, and you're not going to take care of it either. So I'm not going to give you my kid, but long story short, I'm saying all this so people understand how things can snowball really fast legally. So a lot of this, I didn't have a lot of legal things that I needed because I was trying to survive. And I was teaching college, no matter what people think, college instructors do not make a lot of money. And my son was scared. He hated going to school. I remember him begging me to start homeschooling. And homeschooling wasn't big back then. So um, I was like, no, I want you to stay in school and have the experience. To this day, I regret that because he had things happen to him that we both knew was his grandparents. People just showing up at the schools and stuff like that. Get what I did not realize, even though by law, I'm his sole guardian. I want to tell women this. They may not want to go to this level, but I suggest it. Go get legal purple. Go get legal paperwork saying that even though you know your husband has passed, you are now the sole legal guardian of your child. I don't care if you gave birth to him or not. That's not the point. The point is so you can legally protect yourself. And people won't have a hold and that you have sole and legal custody of your own child because they tried to take that from you. So these are some of the cuckoo bird things I was dealing with legally that I hadn't even delved into. At this point, I hadn't even gotten a hold to the insurance because then they sued for the insurance money. Another thing people need to understand, I don't know if this is on your side or not, you know, insurance money doesn't come sometimes for three to six months, sometimes upwards of a year. And people don't know that. Or two, sometimes Sometimes two. And yes, they do investigate. In a week or two. And people think you're going to get that check overnight. No, you're not. They look into all of that. So understand that you're not going to get that money as fast as you think that you are. You're not, not at all. Let me take a quick second and make sure we tell people where you can be found. Because if you like, share, and subscribe to the show down below in the button down below. Um, You'll also find in the description box all of Eleanor's information. So I just want to make sure that you know that and we can get back to our show. Thank you. Um, You know, I've seen little things, but I've never seen or heard anything as crazy as that. Because (laughs) things can be complicated, but you've just taken it to a whole other level. Oh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add this last one. And this will this will show the pettiness of in-laws or any family that matter. Yeah. My mother-in-law said that I tried to kill my husband to get the insurance money, which was not enough money to be $100,000 is not enough money to do nothing with. And that I killed my son on accident trying to kill my husband. And I ended up killing them both. She had the nerve to tell this to an investigator. So they held up the insurance money for a long time in regards to that. And then I ended up getting none of it. Well, the $20,000 is what we ended up getting. And I couldn't access the the $20,000 because the judge put it in my son's name, which is fine. And it ended up going to my son. So I never had all these riches and money that people thought I had. And people said I was a liar. And I had to defend myself against a charge of planning to kill my husband. Why would I plan a, a reckless double car accident with a drunk driver? Because one of the drivers was drunk and they still didn't identify him. 
I damn near died. Excuse my language, y'all. Yeah. And really, I think I was dead. I went through the windshield. And what saved my life from what the doctors told me was my hair. I had my hair in big cornrows that day. And he said, the only reason you're still alive is the cornrows kept the glass from going into your brain and killing you. So I had all these shards of glass sticking out of my braids. Oh, and that's gosh. what saved, saved my life. My hairdo. <laughs> oh. And so having her say that, that was so damaging to my son, having to explain that. That was so hurtful. So you may yeah. not have the crazy twists that I have had legally, but let me tell you how all that affects me real quick before we get off of here. Legally, how all that affects you is someone will believe that you might have possibly thought about murdering your spouse, which was not the case. We were yeah. not even in that place. You will have someone that also is trying to take everything from you. His mother and father said, since he was their son, they deserved all the money. I said, well, what about my son? And this is what I want to quote real quick as to what she said. Well, you got one more, don't you? At least you got one. People don't care what your loss is, what has happened to you. I had to fight companies that came after me. There was a beeper company. It's since 2006. My husband hadn't used a beeper since the, the late 80s. They found out he died and they tried to collect on an old account like two or $300. As women and widows, they come after us faster than they do widowers. They will uh, forgive a widower's debt. That's a man. But they will come after the widow. So I, I am, am encourage ladies, do not pay anything. Do the research. Some of these things are automatically forgiven in death. Some are not. Student loans and things are forgiven. They say that they're not. They can't make you pay a student loan for someone that isn't still alive to use their degrees. So yes, that stuff is forgiven. Do not pay out anything, ladies, until you sit down with a financial planner and an actual lawyer um, that can help you understand how to handle your estate. I lost all my properties. I lost a lot of things because of the rumors and things that his family had started and perpetuated yeah. around my husband's death. And that was one of the reasons I started moving. Not because I was running from anything. I just felt like I'm not happy here. I'm just going to leave. I'm not happy here. I'm just going to leave. And so I went on this run for whatever reason where I was trying to find a space. Well, you're trying to find peacefulness. That too. And I really loved Vegas. And I don't know why I ran from there. But it was more so just people saying, you can't live in Vegas. You, you gamble. You I don't do any of those things. So I didn't care. Vegas has a whole city outside of the strip. And people yeah. go to the post office. You go grocery shopping. Vegas has Dunkin' Donuts. They have a normal city outside of that area. So you need normal city things. So it was a normal city to live in. And I liked it. But I just picked up because people just kept riding me. And so now, you know, that's kind of where I'm trying to head back to the West Coast where I'm comfortable. And at the end of the day, ladies, don't do anything until you talk to a legit person. It can get very crazy. Um, people will try to take your property, your land, uh, bank accounts, all of those things. Make sure your name, if you are married, I know a lot of you live in this, this land of, I want a separate life from his life. If you don't have your name on bank accounts and you don't have your name connected to his name and insurance, his family or whoever wants to come after you, illegitimate children, ex-wives, they can. Yeah. So make sure you're legitimately on everything you need to be on. I also talk about cars. I just talked about that too with walking with Tina today on our show on Instagram. I talked about when people go and buy a car and you just put the one person on the title, then mm -hmm. it makes it very difficult without both people, husband and wife, being on the title of the vehicle because it's very smooth if something happens to one of you. 
And it's very difficult if it's the other way around, especially without a will. It just complicates everything even more. But, and any uh, will can be challenged. That's what people don't know. They, they're ironclad wills. No, they're aren't. Yes. It, 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 you may not win, but it doesn't yeah. mean it can't be challenged. And when a will is That's challenged, right. that means everything is frozen until the challenge is done by a judge. So. That's right. And I talk about that too, because when people say, oh, I have a will, you know, I just sign one of those little ones you buy at the grocery store. <laughs> Well, people can fight any will. Do you want them to fight over that from a grocery store? Or do you want to have better information given to you from an attorney or a lawyer that can give you the proper information? Yeah. Um, and what to do? Because everybody has, you know, one of the questions that an attorney should ask people sitting in front of them is, do you have any of those weird family members? Oh, yeah. Or now, are your parents the weird family members like his parents? Yeah, yeah. Do you have any? Because it's going to complicate things even more so. Or if there's already trouble in the treehouse, it's going to be that much more worse later on. And I tell people, make sure that you're you're not a partner of a, of a, a person who never got divorced. I had a lady tell me, you know, she was separated for 25 years. And he died and the whole family considered her the wife. But his ex-wife came in and legally took everything. Yes. Because they had never gotten a divorce. And I talked about that too. Was, hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And their excuse was, oh, it was just going to cost so much money. We knew we weren't happy. And she took everything, the house, the cars, everything. And I felt so horrible for her. I'm like, you spent all this time with this person. And she said, I guess it just went to the back of our minds. And she now she has nothing. She can't get the social security, anything. No, not your pen, the person's pension or anything. And I'm going to tell um, you guys now, if you think that someone won't do it, they will. Yeah. Money and death are very strange bedfellows and people do some very strange things to get it. They do. I say that I fight over a watch. I mean, Family members do the weirdest things. Yeah. And it, it it's rough. It's hard. Um, and that's just a piece, you know, into that journey of someone's death journey that you may have to travel on and you didn't expect it. So, you know, it's already enough having to deal with the things you have to deal with when someone dies. But when you add in not having a backup plan, yeah, not having that will, not having those things that you need, it 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 can really knock you out. It really yeah. can. Yeah. What I hate to go. This is we have so much more to talk about. We're gonna have you come on again, Eleanor. You're gonna okay, have to I come love on it. I love it. back. And and not like your friend that says stop talking about grief and stuff because <laughs> you need to talk about this more. It needs to be brought out to everybody. You know I. I was at a trade show a while back and I would have these women come by me with baby buggies and I'd say, do you have a backup plan? Oh yeah. My husband looks after all that. Oh yes. You know? Oh yeah. He's got everything done. And Oh yeah. Really? I bet you don't. No. I bet. I don't, even have a clue. You don't. I don't even know where to find it. <laughs> 
Yeah, and that's another thing I want to say right before we get off. Make sure you know where to find all the documentation. Make sure you know where everything is. And I would encourage in today's day and age, please have video backup where your husband or your mate is on camera saying, this is what I want. Because a judge will honor video backup. Even if that's not the full will, he'll right. honor their wishes off of a video. Absolutely. Uh, what kind of final message would you like to give the listeners, Eleanor? Oh, goodness. What's my final message? I think stay strong in who you are and immediately get help. I'm not talking about a grief counselor. That's great. Get get that too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, immediately when you lose your, your, your mate, immediately go find a lawyer and immediately go find a financial planner and sit down without anyone else, not even the person holding your hand and trying to help you. Get all the information you can, record the meeting, and then go home Let and tell them you're going to review it. At that time, if you want to have someone look at it with you, you can. Um and then make your decisions after. I think that'll make a complete difference in, in what happens. Yes, just to take a moment and go through things and get some space from all of it. Yeah, I because you, how cannot, you, did it all. you cannot think of what's gonna happen. I never thought I'd be in a lawsuit for five years. I, I never got to grieve initially. It was so horrific. I bet um, you still are. And then I crashed and burned probably yeah. around your 10. <laughs> around yeah. your 10, I was just like, whoa. Um, but I don't know how I, you did it, Eleanor. I, I, I barely did. I I, I told my son, I, I was crying the other day so bad. And he's like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and I said, I just think I've just been a horrible mom. I was dragging you all over the country and all that stuff with your grandparents. He was like, I got to school every day. You took care of me. We lived very well. They weren't grandparents even before the death. He said, so you're fine. And my kid's real straight to the point. He's absolutely, he'll say it anyway. And then he just walked out. He hugged me and he walked off. And I was just like, still in there blubbering. He's like, stop crying. You're fine. You're my mom. You're good. So I was like, okay. I know, and I know I did have some missing. felt like this hurricane that flew through yeah. you. That and I felt like maybe in the effort you put to sue me for five years, maybe you could have been a grandparent and taken your grandson trips and done fun things with him and came out to where we lived and spent time with him. He needed that more than he needed you taking his college funds. That's for sure. So, That's but my, for sure. my final take is basically, like I said, get the help you need initially and then definitely get a grief coach or counselor to help you on the mental end once you take care of the legal end. Don't try to wing it. Don't let uncle or auntie yeah. tell you they're going to help you get some real help and then add, add the mental health side to it and you will heal much faster. Yes, that's awesome. Thank you, Eleanor. That's beautiful. That's great information right there, everybody. I don't want to go. I love talking to Eleanor. Um, well, I'm having fun. <laughs> I know, and it's unbelievable, and I'm sure there's more to even talk about with it, and we'll have her come back, I'm sure. So don't, uh, don't fret. We will have Eleanor come back. I... I really want to talk to this friend that keeps telling you to stop talking about it because it's such good information, you know, and everybody like needs three to of them. And I don't understand it because I was like, that's so weird. But I don't talk to them at, very much anymore. I'm starting to starting to cut cut them out because I thought, yeah. no, you're not helping. Yeah. 
don't make me feel good. I don't want it in my life. So there you go. You know, we talked about this. We're not Superman. We act like we are because nothing's going to happen. But as you know, that's far from the truth. We okay. can look at the last five years in the world around us, shootings in the school and the streets and work accidents and car accidents and overdoses and the pandemic. And not to mention, you know, the crazy wars that have happened in the last year and the natural disasters and the earthquakes this week in Turkey and Syria. I could go on and on and on. The wildfires and the floods. There's, it doesn't stop. And that's why I created your backup plan so that you can put everything in one safe place. You can find out what you have. You can figure out what you need without you having to go to anybody to find out that information. Because what I found was you go to an accountant, you go to a lawyer, and you can also go to a financial advisor, but nobody talks to each other. Mm -mm. That's very so, true. So that's why I created webinars and coaching programs to help people understand what it is they have, what it is that they want to have, and put the stuff together in one safe place so it doesn't matter what happens, if it's a hurricane, if it's a car accident, it doesn't matter. If you need your bills paid for, say, your son who's 26, um, but you know, something happens to him and he's in the hospital for six months or three months mm -hmm. or two months. How are you going to pay his bills for him to make sure he comes home in a place that still has lights on and his stuff yeah. isn't thrown out in the yard? So all of these kinds of things we talk about. And if you are thinking about that special someone right now that's on your mind watching the show and you haven't talked to them in a while, please call them, please knock on their door, please Zoom them, FaceTime them, whatever it is, and tell them how much you love and care about them today because you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. Okay. And that being said, we always end our show with Carol Burnett, and I know that Eleanor who knows who Carol Burnett is. Oh, I love her. <laughs> I'm so glad. I know, I watch her all the time. I'm so glad we had this time together just to have a laugh or sing a song. Seems we just get started. And before you know it, comes a time we have to say so long. So long, everybody. Thank you, Coach Eleanor. You're a beautiful lady. Don't let anybody think you're not different than that because you are amazing. And I would recommend you to anybody going through this stuff. Absolutely. You've been through it all and the ringer too. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for coming on our show. Thank you for having me. I, I had a great time. Thank you. Oh, awesome. Thank you. And thank you, everybody. Like Mike Tyson's famous quote, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. And it's very true. We think we do, but we really don't. So stay safe, expect the unexpected. Until next time, see you soon. Bye.